0: Hey everybody, it's Jack here. I hope you're doing really well. Thank you so much for clicking onto the TNC podcast. The new season is nearly upon us and over on our YouTube channel we'll be doing daily uploads through pretty much the whole season. If you haven't already head over there and drop us a subscribe. It's completely free and you'll be notified every time we upload a new video. Also ahead of this podcast we'd love for you to leave it a review. We're currently on 230. Once we hit 300 reviews, we'll be giving away a £20 Amazon voucher. So, if you want to be in a chance with winning, please do leave us a five-star review. And without further ado, please do enjoy this episode of the TNC Podcast.
1: On the ball, silly baby, let's go. Just the ball
0: Never never us Hello, and welcome back to Talk Narrow City. I hope you're all doing very well indeed. Delighted to be able to welcome Michael Bailey from The Athletic to the show today. We're going to be talking about what he saw out in Germany transfer news. And of course, the championship championship season is just around the corner. It's come around very quickly indeed. Um, Michael, it's been a while since we chatted on Talk Norwich City. I think we were kind of going into lockdown the last time we, we, we talked and, and a lot has changed since then.
1: God, yeah, we were. I remember that now. I think I've had a haircut. So that's, um, that's good. That's, so have that's, I. That's, yeah. Yes. We're both looking, you know, we, well, you more trim than, than me. You're at least in a shirt. Yeah, that does feel like a long time ago. I can I can still picture now the the hope I had instilled in myself come the start of Project Restart um, and, you know, the, the great chance of something special happening. And and then, you know, we all know the run of defeats and the one goal and the and the adject relegation that followed. So um, hopefully we'll get into something a bit more exciting um, uh, over the course of the next season. Definitely, yeah. And I think my my hope
0: and optimism towards the new season is a similar feeling that I had pending that restart. So hopefully it goes slightly differently this time around. Um, you were, of course, out in Germany for pre-season covering the games for The Athletic and writing lovely bits and bobs. I, the particular highlight for me was that uh, archive photo you got of Daniel Farker. I thought that was absolutely wonderful. Um, go and check that out. I'll, I'll link it down in the description. What was the feeling around the kind of camp? Um, and what did you get out of, of, of that Germany trip?
1: Yeah, I mean, personally, it was really interesting because it's it was the first time I've been on a preseason tour, both as a fan or as a, as a journalist. So, and and you've done them before, haven't you, Jack? Yeah, so, yeah. you've know, you, you, you all over it. So, um, <clears throat> obviously, it was a little bit different because there, there weren't any fans um, and no one making the trip. So, um, but everyone was generally, I think it impressed me how. Um, Everyone seemed to be relaxed and in good spirits. They seemed to be good from the bits I saw of training. They, they seemed to be a good camaraderie around the place and they, they seemed to be interacting well with each other. I would say that there wasn't much because bearing in mind there are players there who maybe hoped they wouldn't be there um, or, you know, would have got a deal um, somewhere else, of course, by that point. Um, they didn't really seem much of, of, of anyone not wanting to be there. So I thought that was important. And obviously that refresh is so is so was so needed. Um, and then oh, <clears throat> obviously on the pitch, I thought, um, I thought they were promising signs. I, I don't like judging anything in preseason, giving the, the level you're playing at and all that sort of stuff, it, it's horrendous. Um, but it it was good to see what they were trying to do and and get back to some of the more aggressive features of their football that had kind of got lost in the in the Premier League muck. So um, certainly, as far as pre season goes, it was hard to have imagined it being any more positive. In fact, I kept kind of asking Daniel, "You kind of could have done with a setback here, because that's what most managers kind of like in pre season, just to bring everyone down to earth." And I, I guess that kind of happened in the League Cup in the end against Luton. But um, as as far as pre season went, I don't think they could have really asked for much more.
0: I guess in terms of yeah, you're right about preseason, you, you can't take too much from it. I think for me, maybe the the few bits and bobs you can take are players featuring that you maybe didn't think would feature as, as much going into the start of the season. I mean, Bally Mumba's kind of the one that that sticks out to me. I thought we'd signed him and he'd either go into the kind of the youth development squads or be shipped out on loan. It seems like he's kind of almost in the forefront of, of Farker's mind. Are there any other players that we signed? you thinking they might not feature and now it seems they're in Farka's plans
1: oh that's a that's a great question um I mean certainly point taken on on Bali Mumba um and uh, you know, ultimately, Max Aaron's while he's here is going to be is going to be starting. And actually, when they do sell Max, they they are possibly one short when you start, Which when you look at the size of the squad, is fairly ridiculous. But uh, but there was really encouraging signs against Luton as well f- for Bali. I, I do feel he's raw and he is going to need patience. He's he's not at the level of Max yet, regardless of how well he played on Saturday. Um, <clears throat> apart from that, I'm not so sure really. Um, I, the the signings are kind of what they are, and I think. All of them are at a level where they can really compete. So I don't think there's anything surprising there. I really have been impressed with Ollie Skip. And I, I do think when it comes to Huddersfield on Saturday, he, he is starting in that role. Um, which given what Alex Tetty's kind of done for the club is quite a big thing because we've not really had a, an, a someone to kind of really, really push him. He's always looked at a, a good level and, and kind of the top of the of the group, um, whether that's been a good thing or a bad thing over the years. So, um, yeah, I think he's Skipper is probably the one that's really maybe caught me slightly by surprise, maybe because I just underestimated him a little bit. And he obviously is quite young, so he's going to have plenty to learn. But I'm quite excited by him. And I think the rest are, are there and, and actually there's a potential for the, the starting side not to be too much different, to be honest, at Huddersfield, if everyone's fit and in good shape. And actually some of those players who were away would have got some good minutes under their belts for their international side, given that pre-season has been pretty short. So um, I think, but they're all going to provide an option. That's the thing. Uh, Jacob Sorensen looks a really classy footballer. I'm just going to be conscious of him being tested at championship level and that pay, that, that tempo, but really classy Um Poeta has got uh, is obviously rapid, and, and his decision-making will be really important in terms of how much an impact he can make. Um, I hope we see better in terms of Norwich making use of Jordan Hugill than they did against Luton. Kieran Dowell, I want to see the energy and aggression in his pressing, because I think his quality on the ball is undoubted. And obviously, we haven't seen Ben Gibson yet, who, to a degree, we all know his pedigree, but we need to kind of know which Ben Gibson we're getting Right here and right now, I've almost certainly missed some as well. Um, well that, that's and...
0: the thing—you've you, rattled off so many names there. And whenever somebody is asking me who we've signed, I, I get kind of through their names, and I'm like, I'm sure there's others, and there are others. How important for you was that refresh in terms of the squad? Because you know, people say, and Farkas said, and Weber said, it doesn't affect kind of the dressing room too much. The mood never goes too, you know, high up or too far down, but. Twelve straight defeats now for Norwich City. That's going to have some effect, and I guess the skips of the world and the dows of the world will be coming in afresh, and they won't have experienced that. Was that an important thing going into this transfer window for you?
1: No, I think that was that. That was almost the key aim, really. I think it was on the only thing they could really do was bring in new faces, and when the players who'd just been beaten up. For certainly several months, returned. There were a load of people who had just got into the building, had a move, had a blow to prove. And they're like, right, here you go then, boys. I'm gonna hopefully nick your spot. And, and that was literally all they could do. Because those players weren't going to physically be able to create something completely different in their heads, not over such a short period of time. And they've got that baggage, even if they had a done. So um it was incredibly important. I mean, that might even be why they've kind of you know made 11 signings, <laughs> maybe when they could have done seven or eight. <clears throat> so um, really important the only issue is for me that all of the baggage and all of the atmosphere, all of the, the uh, promising signs from preseason, it gets sorely tested when you get to the start of the season, maybe six, seven games in three or four games in and half of those players haven't played because the squad, the squad's pretty big and they're like, well, I'm not playing now. This is, this sucks. And, um, and also whatever happens on the pitch, you've got the baggage of last year as, as well, which I have to say is, is a niggle from the looting game because you know that regardless of all the caveats, i didn't really want to see them sort of you know basically have the issues at the back and kind of be a bit soft and basically lose to a side who weren't as good as them as well as luton did the things they did they they weren't at norwich's level and that will be the case in the championship i think generally Mm. in terms of the technical side especially but who wants it more you know and i think that's a really big difference that has to happen and a real change in habit so that's a slight concern from the luton game um and you know, well, as I said, once we get a few games into the season, that's when you, you probably see the best reactions. Because don't forget, Norwich being relegated before and made promising starts, and then it's kind of in autumn where it's all unravelled, and that's still the baggage from the previous season. So, um, so yeah, that's that's a that's a major narrative to watch uh, come the come the new season.
0: Yeah, we, we've spoken about the eleven signings, not too many outgoings. Of course, the the big one in recent days, Jamal Lewis, he's signed for Newcastle for a fee, I think you know, both parties will, will probably be um, happy about. Um That was a, a long rumbling kind of issue, wasn't it? The Liverpool deal came and went, Newcastle came in. That is what um, Norwich deemed a fair price. Do you think it's a good move for Jamal? Do you think it's a good move for Norwich? And I guess, is it a good move for Newcastle? Not that we really care too much now.
1: <laughs> um, it's a... Yeah, I think it's a good move for all parties. I think it will be really interesting how Jamal adjusts to life at Newcastle in terms of on the pitch and what he's asked to do because it will be slightly different to here. Um, <clears throat> I think it was a right move for Jamal as well. I think um, I think it's it's great that he gets to stay in the Premier League, obviously. And I think for Norwich, it's we mentioned it on the on the ball podcast actually. I mean, it does weaken it does weaken Norwich's eleven because Jamal is, is a really good player, especially at Championship level. Um, but you know they've got other players that they can develop and bring on and and norwich have got a really good amount of money that they did need i don't think they had to get it immediately but you know clearly with the coronavirus pandemic and the issues of that and the fact that they've invested or they've basically bought before they've sold they did Mm. they did need to recoup some money and ideally this window and maybe january is, is is then the last time for the really big assets um for now in terms of their value coming out of the premier league um so I, I think that, that all works well. I, I find it interesting that it's Jamal, that it was Jamal that attracted the uh, in, interest and obviously offer from Liverpool, albeit um, not not a great amount, to tempt Norwich. And then that Jamal's the one who's gone here, because I, I wonder if there's an element of him being him being kind of the gettable one. You know, Norwich's, Norwich's valuation was 20 million, but I think they probably always would have taken less than that initially, which so is a bit weird. Obviously, Liverpool's decision that they didn't then decide to come back, um and maybe the others, Norwich are kind of hoping for more money. So Max, Ar- Max, Aaron's, Todd, Emmy, and and uh, and Ben Godfrey, obviously, and and maybe people are a bit put off by that because they see value elsewhere, even though they are probably better players and better prospects. So. um I think in the end it it makes sense and and what happens to the other four is going to be fascinating and um, we've got a long window this window it's going to be open until the middle of October really given that the Premier League can still buy EFL players up until that period and that's a lot of championship football between now and then Um, so it's going to be an uncertain few weeks which is why you can kind of forgive Norwich having such a big squad uh, right now.
0: Yeah certainly I mean let's talk about the other four then kind of Emmy, Max, um, Ben and Todd. I think I'm not sure if we discussed it in our last chat but me certainly I, I was thinking that we were going to lose probably four of them five um I would be surprised if that happens mm-hmm. now considering what have we got a, a month and a bit left of of the transfer window where do you see them players being when you know when the transfer window closes and and do you think keeping hold of them is is a big thing for Norwich City
1: Sure. Yeah I mean the keeping hold of them is the key element of that is all in their player's head. Like if they want to be, if they don't mind being here, then absolutely. If they mm-hmm. don't, then it's a complete waste of time for them um, because they won't play. Uh, it's as simple as if they don't look up for it, they aren't going to play because the squad's big enough to, for someone else to play. And you know, the, those players are very good and they are probably ahead of the ones they are ahead of the ones because they've, they've done a, they've done pretty well in the Premier League but th- there's not a vast chasm and and also Daniel Farker likes developing players so if they're, if they're not really up for it in their heads and 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 then no one comes in for them then they're gonna probably have quite a difficult run of it up until January which might in turn affect their value I mean I think Norwich would probably have to concede that um so it will a lot will depend on on them as players I think um some of them, I don't think it's an issue if they stay, and I think Norwich will benefit from it. I I still see like Ben Ben is a cracking player, but he has only played a season and a half at centre back and uh, properly. And I I don't think it would be a bad issue if he played forty six games at centre back in the Championship. I think and and really shone. I think he'd be better for it the following season than in the Premier League with Norwich or with someone else. So um, and clearly he's done good good stuff over it over with England under 21s and got his first international goal um Max Ahrens probably doesn't need another season in the championship but he's a great lad and I, I, I I'd i like to think that he, he'd just you know adjust to it and away you go and be brilliant to have him for another year but he is also probably one of the ones who could really go Emmy doesn't need another season in the championship he's, he's dominated that division and I think he did enough in the Premier League to show that in a better team he would flourish um I'm, I'm still perplexed as to why no one's come in for him and whether that's an issue with him flinging his arms up in the air so often, I don't know. But um, again, mentality wise, if he's on it, then, 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 you know, Norwich haven't won without him still since he arrived. So um, in the league anyway, so that would obviously be wonderful. I love Emi Buendia, the longer he's in the yellow shirt, the better. Uh, and and then Todd who I guess common perception is that he's a better Premier League player than a championship player. And he hasn't actually played that much championship football. So, and if, if he does sit at home and think, well, I shouldn't really be here. I should be somewhere else. Then it's going to be a tricky one. But if he's like, well, because you could build, Norwich could build their team around Todd Cantwell if mm. he's in the right frame of mind. So um, it's all down to him, that one. Um, so it will be fascinating. But again, I've said this probably since January. So much depends on who wants them and how yeah. much they're willing to to offer. Um, and you have to be honest, no one's come in for them yet, um, um, certainly properly with proper money. So that's the reality. They We're playing in a team that picked up 21 points in the Premier League last year. Um, Bournemouth and Watford both had about 12 points more. Um, So there's a reality that everyone has to come to terms with. Um, I think Norwich were hoping they would have sold a a trio of them. So they're probably a little, there's probably an element that would have hoped they would have recruited more money or had more interest to deal with. Um, But that's the world we're living in, and it's a difficult market as well.
0: Yeah, fascinating. Um, month or so ahead for sure. The season previews or podcasts that I've listened to from, you know, respected journalists and pundits, worryingly, most of them have Norwich in first position. And I think the main um, kind of factor for that, um, I know you speak to George Ellick and Annie Maxwell a lot. And in the big kickoff in the Racing Post, all of the pundits were saying Norwich's squad size and the quality in which they you know, possess in, in that squad is far above um, the majority of championship sides. It's 33 players I saw you tweet out this morning that Norwich have. That's excluding Tribal, Leitner and Dermott, who <laughs> still haven't found a, a club yet. So it could be 36, who knows? Is that like it's a fine balance, isn't it? You, you mentioned it earlier but between having a squad able to cope with the sheer amount of games and, and the congested nature of the championship and also having a team small enough to be able to make sure that each and every one of those players in that squad is happy. Do you think we've struck that balance right? I mean, the squad isn't going to be changing too much from now. Um, in, until the start of the season which is only a few days away how do you you know do you are you happy and do you think norwich will, will be happy with their recruitment and and, and how the squad is, has shaped
1: up yeah i think i think norwich are happy with with the squad definitely daniel Farker will love having so much options so he won't won't matter about that and, and likewise stuart weber as i said maybe apart from the fact that they were anticipating one or two more going right now to cash in on some value. Um, there's a great piece by Stuart James in on the athletic about just th- this season is going to be the most grueling um, of all seasons because it's compressed into a smaller space, so space of time. We've got all of these international fixtures as well. Someone like Taimo Puki could be playing 80 games of football over the next months, <laughs> which is just I mean, bearing in mind, he's had a really busy two years already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I, I don't y- y- having a great, a big squad. Is it, is it is a good factor but i think the, the key thing for me is that how norwich do it differently to how they did it two years ago when they did have a compact squad by design and probably by circumstance Daniel Farker relentlessly picking the same eleven because they kept winning. You know he is probably going to have to be more flexible with that. He is going to have to prepare um rotation so that Norwich are fresh, but also you know there's probably enough of enoughness if that's the right expression in the squad quality wise to be able to do that. But he he will need to do that himself and and get around that because he's going to have to keep these players happy and he's going to have to keep calling on them. That's the only way this having a 33 man squad is pointless if you pick the same 11 every week, regardless. So it's so much of it is up to him basically. And also the mindset's very different. This, you know, Norwich are, there is huge expectation. You know, Derby were down as one of my black uh, dark horses for um, the coming season, and they've just sold both their fullbacks, and mm. uh, that that will be because of to a degree because of the financial circumstances every championship club pretty much is in. Norwich are not in that situation. They can have a massive squad, and they're pretty secure financially, relatively speaking. They've got a manager who's done it before. They've got great talent available, and everything is there for them, which is why I keep saying, in terms of predictions, they should win the thing because they should everything is there for them to win the thing but I've been here with Norwich so many times before and I know it doesn't work like that because you can just get turned over by Luton in the cup like that who are a championship side as well. And there were things there I didn't like and I don't want to see them really... I don't want to see Norwich sort of uh, stroking the ball around and looking so com- comfortable that they don't bother looking for third gear uh, and then and then they're 1-0 down because of a stupid error. The, 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 that cannot happen. They have to mm. dominate. They have to take the lead. They have to be better defensively than they were two years ago. I want to see that because ultimately... I and a lot of people gave them a lot of leeway last year because of the circumstances. But if we're looking at a bigger picture and a and a general improvement, then they, they've got to impress this season. And that's the pressure I'll be putting on them.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think the interesting thing, isn't it, that the difference in prediction between neutrals and actual Norwich City fans? I think there's there are. There is optimism amongst the Norwich City supporter base. But because we've been here before and we know how horribly wrong it can go, we're slightly more pessimistic than the neutral. Who's just seeing it with the facts, the big squad, the manager that's done it before, the quality, the financial security. Um, You mentioned it briefly there. It's Huddersfield up this weekend. How important for you is it to start quickly? Because. You know, the back end of last season, I was incredibly surprised there wasn't more heat around Daniel Farker. I I can't imagine there being another manager in the Premier League or the EFL who can sustain a losing streak of that length and still seemingly not have his job at risk. This is a big sort of month or so for
1: Daniel, isn't it? I think so. Um, I remember after the Arsenal game, it was such an abject i think it was the arsenal game abject defeat and it's like what am i going to do with this And I, I wrote a piece sort of and i think pe- some people took it as a kind of a oh look it's just a social media reaction to a rubbish defeat which it, it was an element of that but it was kind of emphasizing the fact that there's no one in the stadium i have got mm. no idea what real people feel all we've got is this sort of weird digital barometer and of course so then at carrow road that was exactly the fact and I mean, in a way, once once um once things were sort of struggling, th- there was no picking up, and there was no reaction for them to sort of deal with. So it just sort of it just sort of ended in 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 abject failure, and and everyone just felt sorry for themselves. So there are a lot of cave- it's interesting because there are a lot of caveats in terms of last season and the fans not being there to lift them and all this sort of stuff. But I mean, what do we do with this year? Because you know Norwich have got. You know, Norwich would have one of the biggest followings in the Championship. They would make the difference, but then also this is a better quality side. So, the reasons that Norwich were just getting brushed aside in the Premier League, surely they should just brush teams aside in the Championship because they're not coming up against, you know, um, intimidating places like Kenilworth Road. So, uh, I, I don't know. We can't keep using this, this sort of converse arguments to defend Norwich or, or likewise to have a go at them. So, that's going to be fascinating. you know daniel farker is relatively fortunate that when when they won the title they were pretty slow for five to six games so that does kind of buy him that because it's just that excuse isn't it It, or or a caveat if you like that you know it doesn't matter we need to get going and i think one of the things from luton is that and again a completely different set of players but they will obviously need time to gel and to click um because there are 10 11 new players and and they will kind of be involved um so we've got to give them that um, but we'll need to kind of see the signs, I think, and maybe it will give a bit of leeway that there aren't fans in the ground who are going to be baying for blood if they don't win their first two or three games, which has which say happened in two thousand four or five under under Nigel Worthington. So um, we will see. Um, and there is no right or wrong answer, isn't it? I think just from Huddersfield, I just don't want to see them um, tiptoeing around in second gear and then concede a couple of goals because that that to me doesn't say that they would have learnt much from from where they were a few months ago.
0: Yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating. I, I just can't be dealing with kind of more excuses because I've heard so many over the past 12 or so, or so games. OK, Huddersfield this weekend. Um, we won't go into the kind of specifics, but I would be interested to hear your kind of thoughts on the starting 11, not every single position, but in terms of maybe the new recruits, which ones do you expect to be starting on Saturday?
1: Um, OK, let's go through it. Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, I expect Temu to start. Emmy's obviously suspended, which is a which is a shame. Um, I would I would definitely expect Kieran Dow to start, I think. Mm. And he could, in fact, start in Emmy's place, um, which would allow Steeperman, for example, to play as 10. Um, but he might want um Hernandez to play wide, and then you've got Todd who can play on the left. I, I think it would be good to have some pace in the in the three behind. So um if if Dowell it starts wide I would probably want Hernandez to start on the left but um uh you know we will see I, I would expect we're going to have Ollie Skip and Kenny McLean as the, as the two defensive midfielders probably but I feel like I've missed someone um so I don't think uh, so I think Ollie comes straight into the starting lineup um Godfrey and Zimmerman centre-backs Max right back, and hopefully Javi Cantillo is is fit. Um, if not, Sam McCallum probably plays left back. You could play Ben Gibson there as well, but I don't know how. I don't know if there's much an appetite appetite for that, as he is kind of a centre back. Um, we'll see what shape he's in, but that's probably what I go for. And then probably Tim cruel and goal. I reckon. Yeah,
0: I think <laughs> but... I think that's a good choice. It's funny, isn't it? Because that squad that you've that you've lined up there probably to me sounds stronger than some of the teams we put out in the Premier League. Um, last season, it's funny um, how football works. Well, yeah, but I mean, Lucas Rook might play, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were Bless his sponsor him. last season. So don't um, <laughs> don't uh, give Lucas bad words. And Michael, great to catch up. Um, mate, let's hopefully catch up in in maybe a few more few more weeks when we're, we've won our first five games or, or something like that. And um, yeah, everyone who's watching, feel free to go over to the Athletic and check out all of Michael's coverage. There are also, you might be able to explain this better than me, Michael. You're doing breaking news now, so um, you, you're obviously well known for the kind of the long reads, and the analytical approach to things, the breaking news, and only stuff that is happening is going to be on the Athletic as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, a, we we don't do clickbait, and there won't be any clickbait stuff. It basically, if that's if what a, we do, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's your <laughs> job. I wouldn't want to tread on your toes. Um, uh, but basically, um, if some if a breaking if a news story happens involving Norwich City, a signing, an injury, um, at something at the club, um, I would probably tweet it. But then you wouldn't necessarily see something on the Athletic for a while, um, while we got all the all the details down and put it out. Um we've just basically created something that means that we can tell. Um, everyone about the breaking news on the athletic app which by the way is a brilliant app so um, that's what we've done we've created that so it's kind of a one-stop shop really now for everything and uh, um, that's it hopefully it won't be much more work but um, loads more benefit to uh, to everyone who who uses the app
0: yeah definitely well worth a subscription Uh, thanks Michael have a good day my friend and uh, thanks to everyone for watching let's hope for three points this weekend bye-bye